it going today, guys? Back here live in the studio for an episode of Hot Takes with TP3. I'm your host, Thomas Penland, joined once again by Ben Gorwitz on this fine Wednesday, May 12th, 2021. Uh, ben, it's good to have you back. Unfortunately, we couldn't do a podcast last week because I was moving and didn't have Wi-Fi, but we're back in here again, guys. Yeah, we're back. And uh, it was a, it's kind of a nice kind of a nice week off, but uh, you know, I'm, I'm happy to be back talking sports with you. Yeah, no, I mean, it felt weird not doing a podcast all week. I was kind of thinking about my week and thinking everything through, and I was like, wait, I don't have to do a podcast all week. It just feels weird because that's always one of the first things I think of is like where I'm going to try to fit this in and how can I make my schedule around it. But a lot has happened since then. We've had the NFL draft. We've had Russell Westbrook breaking the NBA triple-double record. But I think the main thing we got to start with that's happened is Tim Tebow is has been pointed out to me before we start the show, barring an asterisk of him making the roster back in the NFL. Ben, what do you think about all this? It's got everyone losing their minds on Twitter, which which I think is is quite funny. Um, just people care way too much about Tim Tebow and and everything in life. Um, I mean, listen, there's you'll see a lot of different sides to this, but I just, I mean, good for him if he wants to come back into the NFL. And listen, he's got a he's got a great chance now. Would he get this chance on any other team? Probably not. But that's what you do in life. You use your prior relationships to help you get where you want right that's that's how you that's just how you progress in life so i saw a tweet by uh this one guy who's verified on twitter um and and i I like the tweets i'll read i'll leave his name out of it but he said so tim tebow shouldn't try this because he might take a spot from a young guy okay maybe it's just me but if you're a young guy who can't beat out someone who hasn't played in the nfl for nine years and has never played tight end before, maybe your NFL career won't be as long as you hope it might be. Listen, Tim Tebow hasn't made the team. Urban Meyer or anyone affiliated with the Jaguars hasn't even said what his role might be. There's rumors that Urban wants him in for leadership mm-hmm. uh, just because he knows what Urban's expecting culture-wise because he did it at Florida, this and that. Like, I don't think people in Jacksonville in their locker room are going to have an issue with Tim Tebow trying to make this roster because he's going to do everything in his power to help this team. That's what he's always done. Like he's, he's, that's Tim Tebow. Um, So I I have no problem with Urban Meyer reconnecting with, with an old buddy of his. I'm sure their relationship is better than anyone else coach and player that's ever played football. They're they're best friends. It seems like. So um, I have no problem with this. We'll see if he can make the team or not. Yeah, I agree with you completely, Ben. If you can't make the team over Tim Tebow, or, I mean, if he's taking your roster spot from you, like you said, you probably don't have much of a career in football anyway. You probably look for another line of work. But I don't know. I like it personally. I think that Tebow got dealt a bad hand to begin with by the NFL, and he should have already been playing in the NFL as a backup quarterback or something. So I think he deserves to have another shot. And, you know, teams always wanted Tim Tebow to play tight end. Teams always said, shoot, we would love Tim Tebow to play tight end shit. Why not let him try it now? You know what I mean? Tebow, I think, looks at it as – he has no other chance really to play professional sports if he doesn't try out being tied in. So why not go ahead and give it a shot? Also, too, I think he provides good mentorship for Trevor Lawrence. You know, he's a guy who's played with Urban before. He's been to big games, won big games with Urban. He's also been, you know, a guy that was really hyped up, had the media all over him in the NFL. And I think he can pass down a lot of valuable things to a young quarterback. So I think you're better off having him in the locker room than not having him personally. And I mean, everybody seems to like him. It's only the media that doesn't not like Tebow. And the only, I mean, the only 
like you don't have to worry about Tebow bringing in bad publicity. Like, I mean, he he's not gonna get in trouble off the field. He's just gonna come in and work his butt off every single day to try and make a roster roster spot, and he's gonna do like he's Urban's puppet. Like, if Ur- whatever Urban tells him to do, he's gonna do it. If he says, "Hey, I need you to practice your blocking." He's going to give 100% in practicing his blocking to get it where Urban needs him to be to help this team win. So, you know, sure, could it have gone to a guy who actually plays tight end? Sure. Urban doesn't want that. And Urban is running the entire ship. So he's going to do what he wants to do. And listen, if this project fails with Urban, it's all on him. Like, he'll admit that. He's doing it his way or the highway, as the saying goes. He's going to bring in whoever he wants. He's literally the GM and coach. He's got mm. all the power. And you know how I feel about coaches who are GMs and coaches in sports. I hate it. I don't think it works. Maybe it will in the NFL. I don't know. We'll see. Tebow is not going to make a break whether the Jacksonville Jaguars are successful or not. I can promise you that. That's what I'm saying. I think people are reading way into, into uh, too much into what happened. Anyway, the topic that I think needs a lot of discussion actually is – First off, shout out to Russell Westbrook for breaking the all-time NBA triple-double record, becoming the first player in NBA history. Um, so with all that being said, I think there's a lot of discussion, you know, about Westbrook breaking this record and whatnot. A lot of people are saying, oh, the triple-double doesn't matter. Oh, it's a meaningless stat, this, that, and the other. I mean, Ben, we got to talk about it, man. Is this, first off, how, how do you look at this and how do you think it should be looked at ultimately? I'll start out with this question. Look, I personally think Russell Westbrook deserves to get maximum credit for this. And I think that Russell Westbrook, you know, I think that he deserves more respect than he's getting. I feel like Russell Westbrook is not getting the respect he deserves as a player. I mean, it's like people until, I mean, imagine thinking about this 10 years ago. If you said somebody was going to average a triple-double for in a season, that you would probably say this guy's going to be a Hall of Famer and MVP. Well, Russell Westbrook is a Hall of Famer and MVP, and he's done it. I personally think that everyone these days wants to try to, you know, look down on everything people do and not give Russell Westbrook the full credit for what he does. I mean, it's unbelievable the fact he's able to get a triple-double so many nights and help his team win. I mean, let's, let's put it this way. There's such thing as being a great player and not winning championships. Carmelo Anthony is a great player. He's probably never going to win a championship. You know what I mean? Like, there's so many great players. That's just one example. But there's so many great players in sports history that don't win championships and come up short. I'm not sitting here telling you Russell Westbrook's one of the 15 best players to ever play in the NBA. I'm just saying that he deserves more respect than what he's getting. I mean, this Wizards team is a Wizards team that missed the playoffs the last two years in a row. Now they've gone and been one of the hottest teams in the NBA after having COVID basically all year. And it's because of Westbrook's play and him getting the triple doubles. I think that Russell Westbrook and the feats he's accomplished don't get anywhere near the respect. Everyone wants to write him off. I mean, Westbrook at the end of the day, I think that game itself was like the perfect like breakdown of Russell Westbrook's career. He accomplishes the career feat of the most triple doubles in one season and then turns around and shoots a three-pointer he shouldn't have taken at the buzzer and loses the game. You know, I mean, that's Russell Westbrook at the end of the day, and that's what always will make him what he is. I personally think Westbrook should be considered as one of the top 25 best players to ever play the game. He's not going to have the hardware with the rings and whatnot, but I think him getting these triple-doubles is an amazing feat. And, I mean, the fact that he's been able to average a triple-double in multiple seasons I think is even more unbelievable, and he will probably be the only player to ever do this. This record will last a very long time. I was thinking of sports records just off the top of my head yesterday that I don't think will ever be broken. 
Um, and obviously I left a, a million out. I mean, there's a million sports records. I think Cal Ripken's, uh, Cal Ripken Jr.'s uh, most consecutive games ever played, that's, that's I'll tell you right now, never going to be broken. Untouchable. That's, that's just insane. Uh, like 2,600-something games, I think, is that. Um, I think Russell Westbrook's is in the top five, just off the top of my head. And I'm only, I'm only thinking of, like, the four main sports, so just mm-hmm. uh, baseball, basketball, um, football, and hockey. I think it's in the top five sports records that won't be touched for a long time. It won't even be thought of because you can have a great player get a couple of triple doubles in a season – and he's not even in the same area code as Russell Westbrook's record. Even if you average a triple-double for a season, okay, you're a part of history because you're one of three guys who have ever done it. You're still not close to Russell Westbrook's record. Even if you, he's done it for four seasons, I think, right? Yeah, it's in, yeah four so, seasons. So I think this record is unbelievable. I think it's probably on the Mount Rushmore of most impressive records in sports, to be honest with you. I agree. Um, I mean, it's it's unbelievable. And, you know, to, to your point, when you were like the Wizards, they're playing much better with him. Well, I mean, we also need to give Brad Beal the credit. He's averaging 31 point something sure. points per game. So, I mean, these two ride the ship. But, listen, the thing that I'll say about Westbrook is if you just look at old tweets from old teammates, interviews, if you ever run into the player, ask them, no one ever says anything bad about him. Like Nick Collison has been on interviews. He's, he's tweets. He played with him for a very long time in, in Oklahoma city, Kendrick Perkins, who works for ESPN now has nothing but love yep. for Russell Westbrook, even Durant who like they've had beef. I mean, they loved each other. They had beef when they left. Kevin Durant's got no problem with Russell Westbrook. He's admittedly said that he's a hell of a player. Now I, I would have to put more thought into it. I don't know if I would have Russ, my top 25 best players of all time. I think you can make an argument for it. And I think you can make an argument against it. And, and listen, at the end of the day, he's a hall of famer and he's just going to, he's just going to be known as Mr. Triple double. He's not mm-hmm. going to be known for a winner per se, but that's okay because he's still going to have a hall of fame plaque. He's still going to be, he's his hall of fame plaque is literally going to say Russell Westbrook, Mr. Triple Double. Agreed. Like that's what it should say. That's what he's going to be known as. That's what he should be known as. So, um, listen, a very, very impressive. Um, I, I don't even know. Like, do you remember when the countdown to Oscar even started? No, I honestly don't even remember when the countdown started. But I mean, it's honest. Honestly, see, the thing is, Westbrook <clears throat> plays for the Wizards. You know, so. I mean, guys like me and you who follow closely, I mean, we knew what kind of tear every – I feel like all this stuff became public like two weeks ago when the Wizards just caught on fire and had – I think they had won like eight games in a row or like covered eight games in a row against the spread. I don't know if it was a win streak or – I know for a fact it was a cover streak though. And then all of a sudden it really just became mainstream and everyone's like, oh, by the way, Westbrook's about to break the triple-double record. I mean, it was like no one even said anything about the Wizards besides the fact that Brad Beal and Curry, you know, were fighting for the uh, for the scoring title, which I honestly love kind of how all this has become public because – at the beginning of the season, I don't know. I know you remember Ben when we were doing the preseason. Me and you were both pretty high on the Wizards. We were like, "Wow, this Wizards team." I mean, Beal's been keeping them in the playoff race, but now they have Westbrook. I mean, they got to be able to make it. So, I mean, I feel like all this stuff. I mean, and with the Curry and uh, Beal play like scoring race, I feel like it's brought good attention to them. But I personally think like the thing that really pisses me off is all these people who are like, "Oh, triple doubles a meaningless stat." Yet 
whenever LeBron gets a triple double, everyone's like, oh, well, LeBron had a triple double. It's only because it's Russell well, Westbrook that would take it so away from him. Isn't Russell Westbrook's in the in games he's had a triple double? Doesn't his team have a winning record? Yeah, his, t- his team has like an insane winning percentage, just like over 70% winning percentage. So, how is it meaningless? Exactly. Your That's jo- what I'm your saying. Your job is to win as many games as possible. If his team needs him to get a, a triple double just to win, okay, he can do that. <laughs> you shouldn't need someone to get a triple double just for your team to win, but he's been on some bad teams. Mm hmm. Now, that's exactly what I'm saying. I mean, Russell Westbrook deserves a lot more credit for what he's done with getting his triple-double feed. It's awesome. I mean, like you said, I mean, I think it's one of the, going to be one of the hardest records ever to beat. I, I just think – I, I used to be on the side. I don't know how or where I am now, but he's not a very likable player. Like, if you if you ask a lot of casual basketball fans, I, I don't think Russell Westbrook is one of their favorite players, point guards, anything. Yeah. Like, I don't know why that is. Maybe because he plays with such intensity or he dresses funky. I have no idea. Um, I mean, I, but like, I feel like if you ask the casual fan, most people are not a fan of Russell Westbrook unless Mm -hmm. they have a, you know, unless you were a UCLA fan or a Thunder fan or, you know what I mean? Like, Mm -hmm. I don't have anything against them, but I have never included him in like one of my favorite players. See, I'm with you. One of my favorite players to watch, maybe. Because he just plays with such intensity, and yeah. he always gives a hundred percent, hundred percent, every possession, every game. It, you're gonna get the most out of him, and I have a, a whole lot of respect for that. Because there's a ton of guys in the NBA, LeBron James included, who don't give a hundred percent every game. Because that's what the NBA is, and that's why, in my opinion, the NBA regular season isn't great. Because people don't try until the fourth quarter. I agree. So, Russell Westbrook, you get everything out of him. So I have a lot of respect for him for that. But I think he's not a very – I just don't think he's a lovable player for whatever reason. Yeah, um, I actually think, Ben, that – I'm not – like I actually think that might be one of the best points I've ever heard you make. I mean, how are people going to complain constantly about how the players don't try in the regular season of the NBA and then in the same time they're just going to sit there and shit on Westbrook when he's trying as hard as he can to get a triple-double every single night? Like, it doesn't make any sense. That's exactly what I'm saying. Like, it doesn't make any sense why people are trying to downplay him getting this triple-double record. I think that, honestly, he deserves more celebration than it's getting. I mean, you know, if LeBron did it, they'd probably try like an emergency 30 for 30 that they could make or something. So, Well, LeBron's already got every record in basketball, it seems like. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I'm saying. Anyway, that segues us perfectly in. It's playoff time in the NBA. NBA playoffs are coming up here very soon. Um, I guess the first thing that we need to talk about here is, um, do you think that LeBron and Davis are going to be ready? Now Anthony Davis apparently sitting out tonight with an adductor injury. LeBron keeps missing time. I mean, are you worried, Ben, that this Lakers team is going to come in sloppy and get knocked out in these play-in games? No. (laughs) (laughs) Uh I'm not worried. I mean, listen, LeBron is – he's playing. Like, he may not be 100%, um, but he'll be playing. Like, he, he won't miss a playoff game. There's there's no chance that LeBron misses a playoff game. Oh, yeah. AD, on the other hand, is a little softer than LeBron in terms of injuries in his past. He, he has dealt with a decent amount of injuries in his past, so maybe he would sit. But I, I think both of these guys are going to be playing every playoff game. Um, I – I mean, listen, I think the Warriors, I think the Lakers right now would play the Warriors, if I'm not yep. mistaken. I think that makes an interesting game because I think it's only one game, right? Yeah. You know, the 7-8. Seven, the seven, I mean, sorry, 8-9. Mm-hmm. Yeah, 8-9, right? 
Is it eight nine or seven eight? The first one. No, they're seven eight, and then the eight seven nine. eight. Okay. Yeah, seven eight, and then the nine ten is uh Spurs in Memphis. Okay, so I think that makes for an interesting game because on the other side you have the greatest shooter of all time who legit just doesn't ever miss when he shoots the basketball and Steph Curry. Doesn't. I just like I mean no, the Lakers are not going to lose in a playing game. I don't look. It doesn't even matter who they're playing. Like. Playoff LeBron will come out. It always has. So there's no reason for me to doubt it. I I don't see anything that's going to stop the Lakers, honestly, from even making it past the second round. I just like I, – I hope Curry scores 60. But I just – I don't think the Warriors would win that game, even if he scores 60. No, nah, see, I, I agree with you. See – I will say this. I'm I'm not saying I'm by no means saying the Lakers are going to lose in the play-in game or lose in the first round or something like that. I just am more worried about the Lakers at the beginning of the playoffs than I am once they get past those first couple games. Once I just they get think rolling. He, yeah, you know, I just think they got to get rolling a little bit. Like I don't like the fact LeBron's coming back into the Pacers tomorrow. I guess they have what three games left the rest of the season. I mean. The thing is, they can lose the first two playing games. They're going to be the higher seed, and then they'll have two more chances again at whoever wins the 9-10 game. So, I mean, realistically, they're going to have a lot of games to get things rolling. I just think that's where they're going to struggle is getting things rolling originally. But, honestly, I think they're way better than the Warriors, and they match up very well with them. So, I think they won't have a problem getting by them. Um, and there's and there's still a – I believe there's still a chance that they don't even have to play in the playing game. Yeah, I mean, they can, it's they still can still. Yeah, I think they could still – they're only a game behind Dallas and Portland. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, I guess it's tougher when AD and LeBron may not be playing. But yeah, um, they're, they're going to be fine. I'm not worried about them. Oh, for sure. I think, honestly, Dallas, it's crucial. It's crucial for any of these teams to get in that five-seed spot just because, you know, they want to skip out. They want to play Denver in the first round. Denver doesn't have Jamal Murray. So, you know, you don't have a lot to worry about there. So, I mean, I think Dallas or Portland has a shot, you know, to get to the Western Conference Finals if they're able to get past them right there in that spot. I think that's going to be absolutely huge for these teams to get past there. But then again, at the same time, if LA is that seven seed, you're going to have to go up against the Lakers in the second round. So, I mean, getting that four or five spots crucial because then you're going to have to play the winner of the Jazz versus probably the Warriors. Um, and, and home court I, won't matter for the Lakers. Like, they have no problem playing on the road. LeBron in the playoffs, like, it, I don't think that matters for them. Exactly. I mean, I feel bad for Phoenix, honestly. Phoenix had the best regular season they've had in a long time. I mean, honestly, probably the best regular season they've had since they had, had Dan Tony, Nash, and Stoudemire. And now their reward is they get to play LeBron and the Lakers. That is not a good reward at all. Also, too, I mean, at the same time, you can't really feel bad for Phoenix. They've lost back-to-back games against the Lakers without LeBron and against the Warriors team that's on a back-to-back. I mean, they win both those games. They'd be tied with Utah going into play tonight for first place. You can't really feel bad for them. I mean, they've had every opportunity to get up there. So tough break there for Phoenix. Um, I guess kind of the last two big things I want to talk about just because we've been big Hawks guys, we've been preaching up our Hawks all season long. So the Hawks can get the four seed with three wins plus oh, plus one Knicks, Knicks uh, loss or three wins and zero losses by New York or Miami. Um, two wins and one loss by New York and one loss by Miami or one win plus two New York losses and two uh, Miami losses or zero wins in all three teams. Basically all three teams lose out. So 
basically what I'm getting at here is our Hawks have a very, very good chance of getting that four seed. Um, Ben, if we get that four seed, who do you want us to play in the first round? Hmm. I was actually just looking at the schedule of the three uh, remaining games. It's, we have the easiest schedule, the Knicks have the hardest. It's Washington tonight, Orlando, yeah. and Houston. Um, who do I want the Hawks to play? So if there are four, then they play the six, which would be the Knicks. I, I'm not really afraid of anyone. And that's not like, I'm not saying that in a cocky way, or I don't mean it in a cocky way because I think the Hawks will just beat anyone in their first round. Mm-hmm. I think the Hawks making the playoffs is going to do wonders for this team. They pretty much bring back everyone except for they need to figure out what John, what they're going to do with John Collins. Yep. Like Gallinari is locked. I guess Lou Williams might, I, I don't really know what they're going to do with him. I, I bet I don't we know convince him. I just hope he wants to play in Atlanta because I think they had to do some convincing to keep him. When he I feel like though he's ball. enjoying it. You know, we're winning. He's doing yeah. well with the team. Yeah. yeah. I mean, listen, I, I I guess I didn't really answer your question, but I don't really have a specific answer because I, I think the Knicks, I think that's an unbelievable matchup. I think that's two teams who are led by young stars who are only getting better. The Knicks mm-hmm. have R.J. Barrett and uh, I should say Julius Randle for R.J. Barrett. I apologize, Knicks fans. Julius Randle and R.J. Barrett, um, and they have other pieces too, but those are probably their two biggest names that people that the casual fan would know. Uh, and the Hawks, I, I'll roll with Trey Young and, and John Collins and Capella, I'll just say, is their big three. But, uh, I mean, Capella is really the, the main guy on the Hawks that, I guess in Lou Williams, that have, like, significant playoff experience. Now, I know Gallinari's been in the playoffs several times, but Gallinari's not like a star player on any mm-hmm. team he's been on. I'd see probably the third or fourth best. He's just a scorer. So I just think Trey Young getting the experience. I think Herter. I think uh, DeAndre Hunter. All these guys, like the Hawks are not peaking right now, which is so important. They're only expected to get better and better and better. So listen, I, I want to see them play as hard as they can for however many games the series last. And I think they have a really good chance, whoever they play in the first round, to win that opening uh, series, opening round of the playoffs. So I don't really care if it's Miami. I don't really care if it's the Knicks. I, I, I mean, I, Boston, I don't really care who they play because I think the Hawks can beat all three of those teams in a playoff series. I'm not saying they will guarantee, but, I mean, the Hawks, the Hawks are better than the Celtics. If the Celtics fan wants to at me on that, go ahead. Your your Celtics are horrible. Well, I got so, good news for you, Ben. The Celtics have already given up on the season and called it quits. I mean, they've they shut down Jalen Brown for the season to have season ending surgery. I mean, I think they pretty well, much have he to broke be- his hold on. I I don't know if that's fair to word it like that. Given up, he broke his wrist. Yeah. I, all right. Fair enough. He had to have the surgery, but still though, I mean, at this point they're, they're going to give up on the season. You know what I mean? I feel like they got to trade Marcus smart and they have to get rid of Kim Kimball Walker as well. I mean, Marcus smart's been horrible this year. So that's it. I guess the last thing I really wanted to hit on before that we get over to the, uh, to the um, football side of things is I just wanted to say this people stop saying no one wants to see the heat in the first round this is not the nba bubble anymore tyler hero has been absolutely atrocious especially the second half of this season 
I mean, this Heat team simply got lucky because it was in the bubble. They're not going on the road and upsetting Milwaukee or Atlanta in the first round. Atlanta just dusted them like two weeks ago without Trey Young in the lineup. Um, I, I I don't I don't see it at all. I don't know what you, what basketball y'all have been watching all season long. But I, I would I would rather I would rather play the Celtics and Knicks over the Heat personally. I mean, I agree with you on that just because just they're worse. There's two teams, so much. Well, but, there's, there's just so much experience on the Heat. I mean, yeah. their coach has been to how many finals? They're the mentor mm-hmm. of the team, the godfather of the city of Miami, Pat Riley. Is I'm sure he's going to have a talk with this team come playoff time. Jimmy Butler's an unbelievable leader. Bam Adebayo is, is is great, and all of these guys, pretty much their entire team, already went to the NBA Finals. So, I, I would I would rather stay away from that kind of experience over the Knicks, who haven't been in the playoffs in forever, and over the Celtics, who I know can't beat the Hawks. I agree with you on that. At the same time, I'm not scared of any of those three teams. Let's go. Um, all right. Let's do it, guys. Finally, y'all get it a week late. It's our uh, NFL draft talk that we have. So there's a lot of good trades up and down in the NFL draft. I mean, honestly, it was pretty fun, enjoyable to watch. It was kind of crazy to see the quarterbacks slip. I didn't have any of them slipping out of the top ten. Ben had one of them. We were both wrong on that. had the wrong one. (laughs) had the wrong guy. (laughs) Yeah. I mean, it was kind of a chalky draft there for a few picks, and then all of a sudden it just became, like, crazy what started happening. But – Ben, out of all the picks that happened, who do you think is going to win rookie of the year out of the quarter, if a quarterback does? Well, I mean, that's tough. I I think, well, first of all, I mean, it's, it's, I have no idea if Trey Lance is even going to play, so I'm not going to include him in this conversation because, I mean, Jimmy G should be the starter from day one. He's done nothing to lose the starting job as of now. Um, other than just get injured. And I don't think that's fair. So I think Trey Lance is out of this conversation. I think Justin, God, this is insane to say, but I think Justin Fields might have the best weapons around him. I agree. But it's the Bears, and I hate Matt Nagy. I think he's awful at calling plays. So by default, I think I'm just going to say Trevor Lawrence because I, I don't think the Jets – I mean, the Jets, are they're not there just yet. Like, the Jets' defense is, is still going to kind of carry that team, which is fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, but I think their defense is a lot better than their offense still. I think Zach Wilson needs a little bit of time but still needs more weapons. I, I, I think the Jets upgraded 100% with the weapons more than they ever did for Sam Darnold. I think they're still, like, maybe one draft away from it kind of all clicking per se. So – by default, I'll just go by Trevor Lawrence. Uh, I think I'm too in love with Trevor Lawrence, though, because uh, he's kind of my answer for everything. So I – Trevor Lawrence. Ooh, okay, so I actually have a stat that backs up your fields there for you a little bit. So there's been uh, 6,500 NFL players who took a mental aptitude test. Justin Fields scored first out of all of them. Above 100 is great. Mahomes is at uh, 110, and Fields was at 130. Mahomes did it when he was drafted or, or like now? Yeah, when he was drafted. So Fields was the was one of the only players who got higher than Mahomes, only one of the only two. I don't know. Who so, but like what is – does that translate to I – mean, like what, what do I get out of that? That is tell me he's a smart kid? <laughs> yeah, like, man. Does, does that – 
so, Did that so, have anything to do with reading defenses? Like, I don't know what the questions are. That so, I don't, yeah, I don't know what the exact questions are on the test, but from what I know is basically the article I was reading after that, they were saying that Justin Fields had watched some Bears film and had kind of like looked over some playbook stuff. And this was like the day, I guess the day after the draft said he already looked over the playbook. He said he was kind of familiar with some offensive schemes in Chicago, but he had been trying quick to learn and pick up on it. So basically, you know, I what, think, that, you know what that tells me? What? That tells me the playbook of the Bears isn't complex enough. I don't care how smart a college kid is. The college yeah. game and the NFL game are – they're not that similar in my opinion. Like there are so many more reads and you have to mm-hmm. do them at a quicker level at the NFL, especially for the quarterback position. If a college guy can understand a majority of the playbook or whatever you, you said right there, whatever he said mm-hmm. after a day, then how complex is that playbook? <laughs> I, that just doesn't sit with me. It should take you, it should take you, I mean, a little while to understand the playbook and the concepts and and how to read an NFL defense, should it not? No, I agree with you on that one completely. I think that basically Justin Fields is underrated smart, but I honestly personally think so. There's three people who could win the award, in my opinion. It's either going to be Fields, just because of what Chicago has. Now, see, though, one thing is I'm not sure Fields is going to be the day one starter. That same thing I struggled with with Mac Jones and Trey Lance is I don't know if they're going to be the day one starters, but I'm just going to say screw it. I'm going with Trey Lance for this one. I think he might have a shot at being the day one starter. I think Trey Lance got drafted the best situation. I mean, he's got the best everything going for him here in San Francisco. The fact he gets to play with Kyle Shanahan, I think Kyle Shanahan can unleash the freak of nature that Trey Lance is. And I think Trey Lance can, you know, like Brandon Ayuk and um, Debo Samuel showed a lot of promise. And I mean, he's got George Kittle. He's got Trey Sermon now. I mean, I think he's going to come in here with his with his nasty offensive line, and I think he's going to take this 49ers team back to where they were a couple of years ago. So so we were just discussing quarterbacks to win the award. Is, is there one guy that's not a quarterback that you think has a – just kind of like the fit for his team you really liked or, um, you know, kind of puts him in a very successful – because – and I'll go first. I'll let you ponder it for a minute. Mm-hmm. I'm trying not to be biased. I think Najee Harris is like in a perfect situation. Ooh, well, I, I he he went to a team that mm-hmm. for as long as Steeler football history has been a thing, and they've dominated for a very very long time. They love running the football, like that's that's Steeler football defense and running the football. And I think they have a workhorse, a guy that can be a workhorse, and Najee, he's great at catching the football. And I heard someone say, I can't remember who, they were saying they love the Steelers' weapons. I'm not that obsessed with them. I I think Najee's going to get a decent amount of opportunities to catch the ball out of the backfield and, and make a play in open space. And I, I know for a fact he can do that because I've seen it with my own two eyes at the college level. So I just think the Steelers want to run the football, and I think he can provide that for them. But I think they need a little bit help on the offensive line. So I think I might be jumping the gun on him a little early maybe, but I think he's in a great situation to play for the Pittsburgh Steelers. Yeah, see, I just don't think that the offensive line is going to be there for him and for the sure. Steelers, and that's the only reason why I wouldn't take him. But, I mean, I honestly, like, if I had to blindly bet somebody to win rookie of the year before the draft started, I would have taken Najee Harris just because I thought he's the most the complete early on guy. Be honest with you, 
I don't like where a lot of these guys went and whatnot in the draft. Like I think that Burrow and and Chase. I mean, I feel like I feel like if I had to go if I had to go non QB, I'm going to go with a receiver. And for me, it'd have to be Chase or Waddle. I just don't think think that Devonta Smith and that uh, Jalen Hurts are going to be able to do it. I'm going to I'll give it to Jamar Chase just because I've seen okay. the freak how much of a freak he is. I've seen how good Joe Burrow is in the NFL. I mean. I think Joe Burrow can get him there. Also, has it been confirmed Joe Burrow can, is going to be ready to play week one? I, th- I think he's prog- progressing pretty well. I haven't seen an updated timeline of when they mm-hmm. – uh, I'm pretty sure he's going to be ready. Yeah, I think he's going to be ready for even the preseason games. Okay. But I don't quote me on that. I, I, I don't know that for a fact. Hey, we won't hold you to that one. But I guess kind of my answer to that question is the perfect segue into who I think got drafted into the best situation. And I definitely think that – it was Waddle and Jamar Chase. You know, they got drafted by the quarterbacks that threw the ball to them in college and kind of made them into the guys they were. And I also think, you know, Waddle joins a pretty decently now stacked up Miami offense where that he's also going to be side by side, you know, Will Fuller and Devontae Parker, who are already pretty damn good receivers in the NFL. And they got just Secchi in there at tight end. So I think it's a perfect situation for him to thrive. And the fact that Tua and him are kind of familiar with each other a little bit. I think Waddle can ball out down in Miami, but also too, you know, like I said, Burrow and Jamar Chase. When Burrow's in doubt, he's just going to throw it up there and let Chase go make a play. Chase might be better than Odell Beckham. Interesting. What do you who? What do you think? Who? Which rookie do you think got drafted in the best situation for them? Just wide receivers. Any position could be quarterback or anything. I mean, obviously Trey Lance would have been the answer, but I've already said that a thousand times that whoever got drafted by San Francisco would be. So I want to switch it up a little bit. Who are the, before I answer that, who are the Dolphins running backs again? Good question. I can't remember. Cause I think, I think Waddle, I think he's perfect. I think him and the Dolphins are perfect together. Um, He's going to play, I'm assuming he's going to do some pump returns for them. Miles he's Gaskin. Just be, Miles Gaskin, thank you. So that actually kind of goes with my point. Like Waddle is going, he, he's an he's an explosive player. He's a guy that you just have to get the ball in his hands. So he's gonna get jet sweeps, he's gonna get screen passes, he's gonna go deep. He and he's gonna play special teams. And I think he's gonna play special teams. So I think for what the Dolphins needed, I think the Dolphins needed. Well, I mean, one they gotta protect Tua, but which they which they've done, but two, they needed a downhill threat, and Devontae Parker can do it, but I wouldn't call him that. They bring in Will Fuller, who's absolutely fits that category, a tremendous deep, a deep ball threat. He had so much success with Deshaun Watson uh, and the Texans going deep, because that's not DeAndre Hopkins' game either. He he doesn't go deep a ton, so. I think with Will Fuller being the main deep threat guy only opens up another window for Waddle to succeed because you can't cover two of them. You can't, you're not going to cover both of them going deep. You got to pick one and Waddle's a lot faster. So I think if people decide to, to double uh, Fuller, if he's having success early in the game, well, good luck covering Waddle's single coverage. So I'll, I'll go with Waddle because I just think his explosiveness is a matchup nightmare, but I'm also going to go with Kyle Pitts because okay, the, we know you and I watch, and I'm sure a lot of our listeners, I'm sure we have a decent amount of Falcons fans. Like the only thing, literally the only thing the Falcons do well as a team, maybe two things, throw the football and kick. 
Actually, let me rephrase that. Onside kicks. Those are the only things they do well. Onside kicks and throw the football. Yeah. You just gave Matt Ryan another weapon who every NFL analyst, insider, whoever you want to call them, literally says this kid's a matchup nightmare. Well, he's already has a matchup nightmare on his team in Julio Jones. And what we've seen in the past two seasons from Calvin Ridley, shit, there ain't many corners that can cover Calvin Ridley either. So I'm going to pair what everyone's calling a matchup nightmare with the only thing the Falcons do well, and that's a perfect fit. Hey, I love that one, Ben. I think that's another great fit too. I just didn't want to play too much of the Homer card on that one. Um, Anyway, what do you think was the best draft in the first round of the NFL or the best trade in the first round of the NFL draft? So I loved, I loved um, the Giants trading back because, and this is just my opinion. In my opinion, the Giants were looking at wide receiver all along at, at their first selection. I think they probably would have liked Jalen Waddle or Devontae Smith. And Jalen Waddle went early, obviously, uh, or earlier. And Devontae Smith, the Eagles traded up one spot ahead of the Giants and got Devontae Smith. So when the Giants immediately traded back, that kind of told me, okay, they probably wanted Devontae Smith. They have someone else in their head, and they know they can trade back to get him. And they got a player that I think very highly of in, in Kadarius Tony. Kadarius Tony can do a lot of the same things that Jalen Waddle could do. He's a short slot receiver, jet sweep guy, special teams, speed, 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 and even more speed. That's that's Kadarius Tony to a T. That's pretty much Jalen Waddle to a T. So yeah, I, I think the Giants still got a very good selection in Kadarius Tony at a position that they absolutely needed. And they got a first round pick next year from the Chicago Bears, who traded up and took a player of the Giants never even thought about taking in Justin Fields. So I really loved what the Giants did. Um, kind of interested to hear your answer if you have a different one. Yeah. I'm actually at the opposite end of this trade. I think it's the Chicago Bears. The Bears. And so okay. don't get me wrong. They definitely gave up a haul to get Justin Fields. First off, I think the fact that they were able to get Justin Fields at the spot was pretty damn good because they would have had to give up even more if they wanted to trade up farther to get him. The second reasoning why I think this is a really good trade for them is because, I mean, think about if you're the GM and if you're the head coach, Matt Nagy here. I mean, you guys don't have much time left. You know, you've already made a mistake. You buy Maybe yourself. Maybe one season. Yeah, exactly. Like, you may not even have a full season left of time. You buy yourselves a little bit more time, I think at least one more year by acquiring Justin Fields. And also, too, I mean, Andy Dalton and Nick Foles is your starting quarterbacks. That is awful. Yikes. That is awful. That might be the worst quarterback room in the entire league. Um, just because, I mean, you don't even have a good, I mean, obviously from a backup perspective, it's not, but I mean, your starter is probably the worst starting quarterback in the NFL, you know? So I think it's a great move by them because they buy themselves more time as a front office, but also too, I think Justin Fields, they get a great situation for a guy like Fields. You know, he's got some good running backs with David Montgomery and Tariq Cohen. I think they also signed another back or draft another one that was pretty good too. But I mean, you got Allen Robinson. I mean, you got Cole Komet. You got other weapons at tight end. I mean, you got weapons all over the field. You know, they try to put weapons in here for Nick Foles and the guys to succeed with. I think Justin Fields walks in here to a great situation. I mean, you get Nat Nagy, he's supposed to be a great offensive coach. I think the Bears got their guy. I mean, the Bears clearly wanted a quarterback. And the fact they didn't have to trade all the way up in the top 10 to get one, I think is a great move for them. Do they have weapons? 
Yeah, I mean, they have Allen Robinson. They have Anthony Miller. Okay, he's decent. Yeah, they have uh, Cole Komet. They have another tight end I can't think of off the top of my head. I mean, Cole Cole Komet didn't do much in his rookie season, but that's also a rookie. Yeah, and also they're – I just – I mean, Mooney looks pretty good. Darnell Mooney, he looked pretty good. I mean, I think yeah. I personally think this team is like I think the Bears like I've always thought they had good weapons. I just didn't think Trubisky and Foles got the most out of them. I think if anyone will, it's going to be Fields. See, I agree with I agree with that. Um, they weren't even getting the most out of Allen Robinson. Allen Robinson yeah. was putting up very good numbers. Allen Robinson's um, been a top ten fantasy receiver actually every single year he's been it. He's played a full like. Anytime he's played, I think it was like 13 or more games because he got hurt midseason one year in Jacksonville, but he's been a top 10 fantasy receiver, and that's with Blake Bortles, Nick Foles, and Trubisky throwing him the ball. So imagine what he can do with a competent And Mike Glennon. Yeah, and, and Mike Glennon, Glennon exactly. Um, I I don't know. I, I don't. I would not call the Bears – I wouldn't say the Bears have weapons. I, I'm on, I don't know if I agree with you on that, but I think that they have solid options. I mean, I think, mm. I think Allen Robinson is very, very good. And I think Anthony Miller is solid, but I still think they could use like two more guys. I mean, yeah. to help out because like you, I just feel like they rely on Allen Robinson to do everything. Mm-hmm. Like if he gets hurt, they have no one that's a threat other than maybe David Montgomery. No, I do agree with that. He's now. a solid running back, but I mean, no one else. Like I'm sorry, Anthony Miller is not scaring any cornerback, any defensive coordinator in the NFL. He's, hey. like, I, you might game plan for him, but he's not a number one receiver. Yeah, no, I've just Anthony Miller's a guy I've been waiting to take off in the NFL. So I think it's going to happen this year. I think this is his year. I think I he think. was he, his best year so far. I think he's been in the league for three years. Mm-hmm. I think his best year was his rookie year, I think, right? Yeah, that was Trubisky's best year. So I'd assume that's probably his best year. Right. It's, I don't know. I, I, I think Fields going to Chicago fits better than Mac Jones going to Chicago um, or Kyle Trask or Kelamond or any of those guys. So. I think the quarterback situation worked out for every every single quarterback. Uh, and just to touch on it real quickly, I I think Kyle Trask is in a very good situation. No, I um, agree with you completely. I think, I think he's with two great offensive-minded people, three offensive-minded people, and Bruce Arians, Byron Leftwich, and Tom Brady. Uh, I think he is in a position to where he can learn a lot, and it's just going to come down to whether he can execute what he learned. No, I agree with you completely. I mean, you get to learn from the GOAT, you know? It doesn't get any better than that. And like you said, I mean, those are two of the best offensive minds in all of football. I mean, look what Bruce Arians had done in the past. I mean, look what he did with Carson Palmer. He basically got Carson Palmer another $60 million when Carson Palmer looks like he was on his way out of the NFL. I mean, only Bruce and, Arians and By- could do that. And, and Byron Leftwich was a starting quarterback for a long, long time in the yep. NFL. So um, I- I'm sure his knowledge base is through the roof, so – I think he's in a good position. Obviously, it helps when your team is as talented as the Bucks. But, uh, you know, we'll see what Kyle Trask can kind of do with this situation. Yeah, no, absolutely. Um, I will say this. I was extremely disappointed with the fact the Falcons didn't draft a running back. That definitely upset me that I didn't see us. But, you know, I thought we did a good job replacing the offensive line, getting some defense, you know, like – I definitely can't hate on what we did in the draft. I thought we addressed a lot of needs. I mean, we did end up signing Hawkins from uh, Louisville, who's pretty decent. I mean, I don't know how they, they also him. got. Didn't they also bring in? I guess. I, do you consider Cordell Patterson a running back? 
Um, Nick is going to play some running back. I was actually talking about this with some other people. We were saying like we kind of liked it, like the uh, signing because he you know brings a lot of uh, flair in the special teams. But I would consider him like a gadget player. Like I wouldn't be surprised to see him carry the ball three to five times a game. Yeah. So I mean, you got him and Mike Davis. So like, I don't know. I, I you you were texting me with you know obviously furious because you wanted one of the main running backs yeah. that you liked, but and I understand that. But you know what I was telling you is like you can't hate a team for dressing addressing needs. Mm-hmm. This defense is awful. It, oh, I don't horrible. care who I don't care who the defensive player is. I don't care what college he's coming from. It can't be worse than we already got. <laughs> yeah, that's the truth. If he sucks, then guess what? He fits right in. <laughs> I didn't even think about it that way. I just looked at it as, you know, we have no run game. We might as well try to use our run game as a facet of the defense, you know, and run the ball and keep the defense off the field. Um, anything anything else you think we need to hit on from the draft, Ben, before we get up out of here? I'm good. It was a fun draft. Oh, for sure. It's definitely a fun draft. It's going to be fun to see. You know, Except for, I'll, I'll say this just real quick too many like gimmicks and antics like getting people on stage to sit in roger goodell's chair yeah the chairs now in the nfl like i get it like it's for fan experience i 100 percent get that they couldn't think of anything better than to sit in a chair that was in roger goodell's basement i mean what does that do like wow i'm sitting in a chair that roger goodell sat in i don't yeah. i don't care who was roger goodell that i care i don't care about him my only beef with the draft besides the Roger Goodell chair would be, did that walkway was so freaking long? It took him a damn year <laughs> to walk down there and make the picks. Well, the it, it, people, the the uh, videos, gifts, whatever you want to call them, of Mac Jones walking like he's uh, it, yeah, it, it's like Bill Belichick walking out of the tunnel. Uh, <laughs> it's just perfect. Who, who knows, man? I hope all these rookies have success, man. Um, it, it's 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 cool to see someone's dreams come true. Um, a lot of hard work was put into this. Um, so congratulations to all the, uh, the uh, young guys and their families. And I, you know, I hope you make the most out of it. Don't spend your money irresponsibly. Don't go broke in three years. Hey, I can second that as well, Ben. Invest your money in Ethereum and other uh, types of crypto. Be smart with it for these young rookies. But Ben, I appreciate you coming on once again. It felt good to get back in here and do an episode. Yeah, man, that was fun. Hey, me and Ben will be podcasting for y'all next um, on probably Monday next week once the uh, NBA play-in games are set. So we'll be giving y'all predictions for that stuff. So look out, be ready, but we'll talk to y'all again soon. And we appreciate everyone who tuned in.